Alright, so that was Do Make Say Think with Bruce E. Kinesis, if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, apparently they're a Toronto band. They're, this is Dave's choice for this apparently. one. Uh, says Dave. Says Dave. We trust that guy. Yeah. So if they're not a Toronto band, blame Dave. Uh, as you can probably tell from the voices, I'm here with Darren Kaster and Dave Hostetter. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> uh, I, get to, I love the fact that I get to introduce you every time. Uh, so today's episode, we're going to do a little, basically a similar format to last week's episode, actually, because I felt like that worked out really well. We stayed on topic. I didn't have to cut out 15 minutes of, our, of us going off topic, so that was excellent, which also made last week's episode six minutes longer than a normal episode, so we'll mm. try to keep that under wraps a little bit here. Interesting. Um, but... So what we're going to do today, again, is we each have a, we each have a question. This week on some on a slight suggestion from one of our longtime viewers is, is a little more a little more personal, a little more anecdoty, a little more a little more about us. Anecdoty. I made up a word. A Anecdotal. Word. I got anecdotal is probably more correct. <laughs> Fine. Who all are allowed. we doting? Um, but all right. So what we're going to begin with here is I think Darren's question is going to go first because I said so. Yes. And then I'll go and then and then we'll finish off with Dave. So Darren, what's the question? I can do that. Well, what I was interested in in speaking to you gentlemen about today uh, was about sort of what you see as realistic within our lifetimes. But as a way, mm-hmm. the, the sort of the idea there to personalize it is is in with specifically something that either you're working on or. Or that you're very very interested in. I want details. What 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 sorts of actions are you taking, and how do you see if they're successful? What do you think is realistic? What do you realistically expect to happen as the fruits of your labors? Oh wow! All right, I will go first. I think what I think is possible, what I think are happen, are, are two different things. But I'll go positive on this one. Uh, I think uh, I said I said realistic, so yeah. I think oh, you yeah. can allude to what you'd like to see. But I'm right. more I'm more interested in what you think is realistic. Right. I honestly think that we will be able to end up in by the end of my life to have a price on carbon, mm-hmm. and I honestly think that that price on carbon and other mitigating efforts will allow us to at least be close to carbon neutral then. Uh, whether or not, I think what's most likely is we'll probably get ourselves stuck in some sort of middle range between two and six degrees actual global warming and whether or not, and what impacts that has will be, will, I think a lot of what we'll be doing is sort of fighting those changes, really. Mm -hmm. I I sort of, I sort of see the second half of my life being like, okay, now we're stuck with this over two degrees. So I don't think, I do not think we'll get below two degrees warming. I don't think we'll do it. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a lot of people, that, that sort of is a doomsday for a lot of people and rightfully so. But I think that's, there's just too much needs to get done for too short a period of time. So I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, as for as what I will be doing to this end, um, I really actually think it's interesting. There's a, a, a lot of talk. I, I spent some time talking to some, some professional, not professional environmentalists, but people who are, do this for a living. And it really seems like we're, gonna, we're, we're coming up to a place where there's going to have to be a big actual movement on this issue. And like a you know not occupy somewhat like occupy size basically enough people have to actually have to go out and really make up this kind of push for actual climate climate uh, change or not for climate change but in <laughs> efforts to reduce climate change and I think that aiding and abetting whenever that movement happens and pushing that movement forward as much as possible is going to be a majority of my next my career basically mm-hmm. I think I would love I hope it is at least and. Uh, whether or not how successful it will be, I don't know. I've some of the wording uh, that I really found interesting at a conference I went to on Saturday 
was the idea that we are the first generation to experience climate change and the last generation to be able to do anything about it. Mm. And I really like that line, and I think it's for multiple reasons. But one of the reasons is that it does get to the point that we will know how well we are doing. By the time we hit 50, 60, we'll know if we hit 2 degrees global warming. We'll know if we're on the pace for more. And we, we will really know that that's, that's where we're headed. And so what, what I've always said, and what I've, I've always thought that if we does come to that point, I want to sit back and write the story of how we got here, basically. Mm. Like, how did humanity fail? What ways did we fail? In what ways did that failure affect everything else? Uh, so that would, that's always a joke I've been running on, but I really think it's possible. I think, like, I don't think, I think we'll manage to avoid it, hopefully. And I, like, I, I guess part of it is that realistically, I don't know if we can do it, but for me to continue to do what I'm doing, I have to believe it's possible. Because if I was going to give up, I would give up now rather than waste the next 40 years of my life trying. I'm just going to joke, it's going to be the least enjoyable I told you so in the history of I told you exactly. so. Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So honest, I don't actually know. I don't know if we'll do it. But I have to believe we can, and I have to believe that it's possible. And it is possible. So to more directly answer the question of what I think will happen, what I plan to do about it, I believe that we will see over the next 10 years, hopefully, um, and if we don't, then we're really fucked, a active movement towards pushing for, an a for a price on carbon and for real, <clears throat> real action on climate change. And I want to be as much a part of that as possible. And I think that movement, if successful, could not prevent a lot of the d damage we'll see, but at least could prevent further damage. And maybe if we're incredibly good at it, maybe we can begin an actual, some sort of healing process to maybe bring the Earth back into its equilibrium in some extent. Uh, so that's what I think is reasonable and uh, realistic. Dave? As something, I was going to say as yeah. something that's... Uh, um... Uh, speaking of realistic, uh, you're in your mid-20s. You said by the end of your life you'll see a uh, price on carbon. I think uh, Stephen Harper could actually sign off on a 50 years from now agreeing to a price on carbon. So that <laughs> yeah. that may actually be very realistic. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Um, those are some bold, bold ambitions. Well, you know, why why live not to be bold? Um, are we talking about the, the fruits of our personal labor or, or what we can actually receive? Either your personal labor or, or the things that are most important within the environment to you. So whatever, whatever particular issue you're mm -hmm. most concerned uh, about, most follow, or most active on. Um, the thing you give the shit about the most. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I see it as... Um, I see the environmental movement as a, as a cultural thing. And because you, you can't, it can't become... It can't, come out of um, sort of the technocratic uh, uh, intelligentsia of scientists just telling the voting public what they should do. Um, so I see, I see it as a cultural movement, and within uh, our lifetimes, I, I believe um, that the environment and sustainability and being a sort of an, an animal on the earth that sort of moves with the seasons, so to speak builds sustainable societies, whether or not it's huge greenhouses that actually have the trees, or whether or not we actually are still able to grow trees outside, the earth and our connection to it will be, I think, central to our culture, probably worldwide. And, I mean, that, that could either happen with disaster or without disaster. I think it will probably occur so long as we still require the earth as a home. Personally, in the next 80 years or so, I see, I see it 80 years, yes. Yeah. I see it realistic that um, 
oil and the use of carbon will be much um, less. And we'll be pretty much running on what we consider sustainable um, technologies now. Except for potentially some poorer parts of the Earth, which might still have to use dirtier fuels. And then we'll judge them for it. Um, yes, of course, <laughs> as we do now. I don't currently have a place that I consider myself in within the environmental movement. I think it's more important to simply be a voice or at least engage critically with the important social movements of one's age. So, because I'm not an active feminist, like fighting for women's rights, or a gay rights advocate, and actually being an activist, obviously those are bad things, but... um to be to be a part of the of the of the most important not necessarily the most important but the issues that sort of that define a historical age hmm. and you specific- sort of see it just for you personally it's just it's it's mostly that it's a moral imperative for you to care about it and to sort of spread to other people caring about it but beyond that you don't necessarily have specific goals or outcomes um, yeah because I find it hard to conceptualize. What, what, like, unless you're in a very powerful position, what specific goals or outcomes an individual in my position can actually obtain? Um, so without, perhaps the question itself belies my own arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> without simply being, without, <laughs> maybe, without simply being a, a member of the tide and, and working within that to gain as much um, authority, I suppose, as, as mm. one can. Great. Mm. I think that's good. <laughs> I think that's good. Um, no, I mean, what a, yeah, I guess. It was, it was very open-ended in, intentionally. Um, but what I was going to say for myself was just the, regarding the fact that um, was a couple of key specific things, which I think are debatable, and I'm going to weigh in on one side of them. <clears throat> uh, but a price on carbon is, is a very specific thing. Um, I think that's inevitable. It's a matter of when. Hmm. Um, and I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't go anywhere near as high as 50 years from now. I, I, say, I would say it's inevitable within 20 um, only because most of the industry at this point understands that there's going to need to be one. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of like standing around at the starting line being like, okay, tell us when we're ready to go. You know, or most of us are ready to go. Are we doing this or are we not? Mm-hmm. I mean, even the heads of the oil companies are aware of the fact that eventually their product will probably be the, the, the market for their product will have drastically changed long before they actually run out of it. Right. And I and if you sort of read between the lines in many of the statements of the heads and CEOs and, and people like that from oil companies, even they understand that. Um, but I, what, as far as what I think is realistic, I was uh, for myself. I'm thinking very much about cultural change, and I see like a lot of the time when there's sort of large revolutionary revolutionarily changes sort of threatened um, systems who don't sort of who become rigid in the face to resist these changes may do so for a limited amount of time, but then they're ultimately broken by their own rigidity. Um, and I think that corporations and powerful people and governments that want to sort of sustain themselves for the sake of sustaining themselves, because that's the way it is and that's the way they'd like to do it, because they happen to have a lot of power and influence and who nobody wants to give that up voluntarily, um, is that I think that in sort of in, in more recent centuries, they've realized that it's far more beneficial to them to sort of recognize revolutionary level demands for change and right at the last second cave on just a little bit so as not to lose everything. Mm. Uh, And that's how I see this playing out. 
uh, I see this playing out in the sense of that realistically, like we're talking in my proposal, 10 or 15 or 20 years maximum, uh, there being a just overwhelming pressure put on to change the system. And then I see the system changing just barely enough to accommodate it. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you were referring to uh, – I like to talk about all the time about – um, my sarcastic comment about, hey, do you know that oil is still sunlight? We just had to wait 100,000 years and all this bad, and now this is all bad, blah, blah, blah. Did you know that we can get it for free? Um, obviously, I say that because it's fucking true. But <laughs> the thing there is that, as I always add, is the sun is free for now. Whenever I write it down, and I do like to write that down, I always put for now. Because the system will never, like, there will be laws passed. Say, you know, once we put a price on carbon, and it's obvious that oil is going to be phased out, whenever you decide that may be, uh, it's unthinkable that they wouldn't commercialize it. Absolutely unthinkable. At some point, you, you're going to pay for a solar license for your own generous generating license and this and that, and prices will go right back to where they were. Uh, once it's sort of accepted that that's the only way to do it, it's, it's too much of a foundational basis. It's, it's like in the way in which all our drinking water, you know, Nestle's buying up all this drinking water. None of that ever will, none of those licenses will ever be torn up and sold back. You know, we can stop it, but you can't reverse it. It's, it's very easy to give power. It's almost impossible to take it back. And so I don't see that sort of, that concept of sort of energy generation because we're in the digital and technological age where power dictates everything. Literally, power dictates power. Um, there's, there's too much power hold by people that generate power for it ever to be democratized. Um, so I, I expect to see radical change on the way in which our governments and corporations are set up with relation to how they affect the environment around them. Do I think that this will change society in the sense that we still have a very obscured society where a bunch of people have all the power and a bunch of people are sort of begging at them for the scraps? Not a chance. What about the guy who owned Casa Loma? He harnessed the uh, Niagara Falls, and then the government was like, no, electricity needs to be uh, uh, owned by everybody, and then they took it from him, and he lost, and he couldn't own the castle anymore that he spent all his money on. That was before multinational corporations. <laughs> that's that's my answer to that. So you think capitalism <laughs> will survive? Capitalism will be refined because the people, the people who run the system, and I don't mean a bunch of men in a dark room smoking cigars. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but as in the collective, it, you can you can very 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 accurately dictate people's behavior based on things like uh, economic modeling and all that stuff, like cost curves and all that stuff it's it's economics is a very inexact science but in some areas it's very 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 accurate and that's one of those things where there's an opportunity cost to do things and a a benefit and there's just too much fortune to be made in these areas that people that already have a ton of power will make sure that when their power is sucked down in one area they'll never let their fingers go from that honeypot until their fingers are firmly planted into another one that's, so that's my thing. So I think we'll see radical change, but I don't think it's going to be the radical type of change that I would actually desire, mm-hmm. which is an actual democratization of the fundamental way in which we run our societies. Right. So, so you're saying Barack Obama is the perfect example of the uh, oh, right. future. Obama is a crazy <laughs> right-winger. He's nowhere near what I had in mind. What, what, but what, I, think, I think he's very close to... That's that's incremental change. I think a little bit more change than Barack Obama would ever right, do. He fundamentally, he got like as much as you want to hate on him. He literally shouldn't get into Obama because that's a whole different thing. But millions I'm going of to people, disagree with your millions statement. of people, millions of people in the United States have health care now because case. he required them by law to be locked into a private health care system because it was the only way to do it. No, that's not true. To pass it through Congress? Yeah, that's not true. Uh, 
If you if you take the American poll numbers, this is why that's bullshit. Because if you take the American poll numbers on these actual instances, mm. the thing things like if you if you call it single payer healthcare, mm. people have been brainwashed. So it's like being like, are you a liberal or conservative? A ton of people say they're conservatives, but when you actually ask them issue by issue, they're crazy liberals. The reason is because the word liberal has been poisoned. Right. So in the same way, the word single payer has been been poisoned. It's communist, socialist healthcare. But when you actually ask people like. The same there's 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 hilarious pictures of signs of Tea Party protests oh, yeah. where people say get your government hands off my Medicare. Yeah, like the the words have just been pointed. If you don't understand why that's hilarious, <laughs> think about it for a second, right? It's just the words that have been poisoned. But when you actually pull results, if you if he had actually gone out and made any case whatsoever for it, you, you and you and you find out that eighty five percent of not liberals but everybody in the country is on your side. You think the Republicans are going to try and... Like, they would never win another election, ever. The uh, reason we didn't get that is because he had no interest in fighting for it, because he gets his money from the same fucking private health care insurance system that the Republicans do. If we had an actual liberal who was running, if Obama was an actual progressive who actually fought for it, he could have mopped the fucking floor with them. Uh, and the polls back me up. That's not an opinion. I, that, I, 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 I open this to the floor of the 21 people who watched this in this podcast. Obama is sure either a coward or a sellout, and there's I'm no sure, two ways about it. I'm wow. sure. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure there's people who are more informed than any of us about that issue, and I would love someone to send Darren a set of information about why he could not have passed that through Congress. Uh, but we're on to my question now. Good. Uh, my question <laughs> is... And interesting enough, I think, Dave, you almost already answered the question I'm going to ask uh, in your last question. Damn you. So if you can find a way to maybe come up with a second thing you want to say, mm-hmm. uh, go for it. And if not, you can just say, I said it last time, go back and listen to that and whatever. But my question is, uh, why why do you do what you do? Or why, why be involved in the environmental movement? Okay, good. Because I was going to say, I don't even know what I do. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I mean, I think it's important to... I mean, and this was essentially a mandate of starting the Green Society campaign in the beginning, Mm. Um, or at least from my perspective, which is to essentially sleeken, as if that's a word. Um, I made up a word already. Sleeken works. I was going to think of a word to make up now. (laughs) Soup up the cultural aesthetic of the environmental movement, Mm. because I think it's, it's, it's very much bogged down in academic, and your mom said this, and very low budget sort of trashy media. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think it needs to be filtered into the culture to an extent in which... Well, I mean, I suppose you could. I mean, there's the movie Avatar, which which you could claim is, is, is a... It's Pocahontas. It's sort of a noble, <laughs> it's sort of a noble savage thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Pocahontas. very noble savage. It's all um, Pocahontas. But, I mean, to give it, to give it a voice, or at least in, inject a type of, maybe I'd say, swagger... Mm. Into the environmental movement. There you go. Which is tough when you're rapping in a carrot suit. Hey, and I, hey Kessel um, 12-carat carrot has swagger. He has a little bit. And it's nice. Maybe I made some sexist jokes at the... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I forgot. At the eco, at the eco chase uh, performance. I, 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 didn't, I, I wasn't actually... You didn't. Your character did. <laughs> Your character's a douchebag. <laughs> I wasn't implying groping. Okay. <laughs> I said, give them a little, you know, hug. You said something (laughs) (laughs) There were men, too, okay? It wasn't sexist. It was just... um, Distasteful? (laughs) (laughs) 
low class. That, that's the type of swagger I'm talking about. It's the drunken <laughs> the dr- swagger. Literal, a literal swagger. <laughs> a literal stumble. A Rob Ford swagger. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is not like <laughs> I mean you could say that it already exists in terms of uh the painting like a lot of Canadian paintings, like the group of seven can be considered environmentalists and, and uh there's there's environmental philosophy, there's environmental I guess you could say uh, there's a lot of well almost a lot of the history of poetry is, is environmental in a sense. But I, know, I think there's an artfulness uh, missing in the environmental movement as a whole, simply because it's very scientifically based and politically based and academic. Right. Um, that can be more st- uh, streamlined, in a, culturally streamlined. Uh-huh. Through drunken sexist jokes. Right. And then you, this, is what, this is what you're doing. This is your, and that is your mantra. You know, fight fire with fire. Huh? Darren. Uh, I will, I'm going to try and be a bit artful and uh, pick up where we left off with the thing and turn that into a way of giving an example of my answer. So okay. as a way to just to... I'm not going to get back into it, don't worry. But just as, as an example, as a starting place of what I was just saying about the Obama thing, um, things that really pissed me off, in case you couldn't sort of tell yet, um, was when sort of... we have a We have a problem in this world, I was going to say country, but this world, where, well, you know, I am going to limit it to Canada because I don't know enough about the politics in other countries. Um, But in North America, maybe, let's say, uh, people are, let politicians dictate to them public policy, and then they choose which person they like the sound of what they're saying the best, which is very carefully constructed in case you thought I was saying that this was divorced from facts and reality. That's exactly what I was implying. Uh, we need to have a system by which we can agree on what facts are, and then people can say this requires a solution, and then we can have a debate about what those solutions might be, and you might be- vote for the person who offers the best solution to an objectively identified problem. We do not have that. We live in a world where people are happy that Obama passed a health care law that requires people to buy health care from a private insurance and call that a win because they're like, well, at least we got something. That's a shitty fucking world. That's a really sad, sad, sad world to live in. Where that's, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you for saying that that's a win. I'm saying that's fucking depressing as shit that that's, that that is kind of a win. Uh, that's really, really upsetting. That's like, you know, that's like being genuinely satisfied with, you know, well, we just passed a law where everyone has to buy Coke. Look. Everyone, Coke for everyone. Yeah, yeah, you passed a law that requires us by law to buy this product. But now everyone has it. Hooray! That, that, I, fuck that world, man. Fuck it. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. I'm not accepted. So the reason that I fight for this is because I think that there are things that are objectively demonstrated, demonstrated to be problems. They're demonstrable as problems. And it makes me insane when there's a, seems to be a small group of people who know it, know it's that. But they're not the same group of people who tend to do things about it. And I know just about uh, just enough about them that it really pisses me off, and I am a loud, arrogant prick. And so I'm the guy that takes that and goes, great, I'm going to go tell a bunch of other people, because they really need to know what you know. Hmm. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't accept those wins. But however, the reason I wanted to use that example of the healthcare was that's exactly what I was getting at in my last answer, when I said that we're going to have a sanitized version of change. I think we're going to end up with a system exactly like that, where... And that was the point I was making. Yeah, well, and, and very much. No, I wasn't, I'm, not, right. I'm not debating at you. I was right. simply starting off right. from that, which was that I think that's exactly what we're going to get. I think we're going to get a system where, you know, an actual solution would be to 
drastically limit the power and authorities of multinational corporations that dictate to governments what they will then offer us as citizens as solutions to problems that they've decided that they're going to let us actually have an honest discussion about. Um, I don't accept that, but I think that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get the healthcare version where, you know, eventually people are going to be like, okay, well, if you all agree this is a problem and every 98% of the population is complaining this is a problem, great. Now that thing that we never would have done until that many of you convinced yourselves that this is a real problem, that now we have the social license to say, great, now we're raising taxes by 15%. You wanted to deal with climate change. Now Climate Co. is going to have this built-in monopoly of, you know, mitigating climate effects and all your taxes are going to go up and you're all going to be even poorer. And But hey, we got to deal with climate change, right? And that that's the change we're going to get instead of actually fundamentally changing the system by which this happens. Uh, and so that sort of uh, further illustrates my previous answer, but also gets to this, is that I'm a loud, arrogant prick, and I don't take that. And I'm going to scream myself fucking deaf telling people this is, system is bullshit, and let's demand a better one. That's why. All right. It's, it's somewhat self-serving in the <laughs> sense that I like being the center of attention, and I like getting... And I like loudly yelling about things, mm. and I think I get away with it because generally I can largely accurate in what I say. Mm. Not by any means perfect, <laughs> but usually I know what I'm talking about enough, and I say it loudly and arrogantly enough that I generally get people's attention okay. with it. All that's right. why. All right. It's important. I don't like it. I'm encouraging others not to because that's my nature. All right. Uh, cool. I think I'm, I'm going to throw two things about the Obama thing. That's because I have to. <laughs> and then I'll, then I'll go on. One is that that is that part of the healthcare bill does mean that that mandates that eighty percent of all money that insurance companies make uh, has to go back into actual care, which many people seem to believe think will basically lead to all if it become, becoming nonprofit work because it's basically it's not you know it's the capitalism there's enough money in this anymore so they'll leave basically is the idea that's not true we'll see <laughs> um, mainly because I mean that's not true that that'll be the outcome I'm not saying what you're right. saying is not but but that is twenty yeah eighty percent has to go in, back into healthcare which is great which is a good addition to that part of the law second thing is that he did also dramatically increase Medicare so if you were poor and couldn't afford it it's about to get thing. massively cut and there's a bipartisan agreement to do so so don't hold on to your don't hold your breath on Medicare. Medicare well, is about to be massively cut. Medicare. Medicare and Medicaid are, are very similar systems, and there's bipartisan discussion right now about how to cut them because there's this big lie in the system about how they can't afford to pay for themselves, which is nonsense. They're actually paying for themselves. The reason they can't afford it is because they took a bunch of money out of that account and used it to pay for the Iraq war. Hmm. So that's Regards. a big lie. point of the story is that... That's what the news says. You're right, but it's not true. All right. Well, we will, we'll find out, and I guess, whenever anything happens. <laughs> uh, but the, back to the answer to the question, my own question, and something I've said before, and it's something that I had a kind of funny conversation with over the weekend, and it very much relies uh, on to what Dave said earlier as well. About which drunkenness? Is, no, nothing about drunkenness. No. Uh, but the first thing you said, which is that I've always wanted to be fighting for what I see as the main... As for some sort of social good, basically, and and a kind of funny and what's interesting is one of the weird one of the knocks on environmentalism is that environmentalism is very very white, and I think part of that is that if you are a especially uh, that's how I feel I won't go any further but as a white male my people who look like me have been speaking for other people for all of history <laughs> and finally that is no longer the case mm -hmm. and, and which i think is great finally you know finally they're not everywhere and i think obviously women still i'm not trying to say women don't still have a lot of power but you know the feminist movement has it, like many many women are leading the feminist movement in a very well ways fantastic you know uh 
all it's coming of the, along nicely. Yeah, like all of the all of the sort of. Well, I don't know about that. Well, what do you mean? That's coming along nicely, or that women are leading the feminist movement. That is coming along nicely. Okay, well, it's, it might not come like uh, that's not the point. The point is that women are at least leading the feminist movement, and that no white guy or a white no guy at all should could go to be like maybe I should talk for you, or maybe I should like you can be an ally. But that's all you can be, and I think mm-hmm. that's. As a as a white male in Toronto society, I'm best served as an ally for almost all of the causes that are really still huge issues. I think the true change will come when Hollywood catches up. Yes, that would be excellent if Hollywood caught up to that as well. But and like, still nothing passes the Bechdel test. Is that what it's called? Um, what test is that? It's a test about whether or not every single movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically a pass-fail on any movie, and the idea is if one female character talks to a second female character not about a guy, it passes the test. And, like, still, like, it's, like, 30% success rates in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's is just that, like, unbelievable. a line that doesn't do that? Or that was... No, as long as there's one... As long as there's some dialogue in the movie where one woman talks to another woman that is not about a guy, you pass the test. Wow. That's the entire test. Are there any movies that have made that? Pardon? There are, are there any movies that have passed it? Yes, there's like thirty percent of movies out there right. that, that pass the test. Um, foreign films, <laughs> mostly foreign, <laughs> foreign films. Uh, that may be due to translation errors. <laughs> um, we're talking about bagels this entire time, right? No, not at all. Um, but no, I think the, the, like, the point is, I, I think there's environmentalism is not only unbelievably important. I think there's a lot of things, but it's also something where I I can I feel like I can actually try to lead it without feeling. Like I'm trying to usurp something. I'm not, I don't want to usurp anything. I want to. I want. I want to be an ally to all the good social causes. But this is a social cause that I can actively feel like I can be a main voice in without sort of without sort of continuing this. I don't want to say colonial past, but sort of continuing this past of sort of where white men talk for everybody. And I don't want to do that because I think I, I, I realize all the problems that's caused already. Mm-hmm. You know, we're where we are because this is the case, and I don't want to be part of that. And I, but I still want to be pushing for social change. And mm-hmm. this is. And I think the environment movement offers you that. It's not, none of that is not always undermined why the actual importance of the environment movement. I really do think, you know, mm-hmm. I really do agree with a lot of the statements of the fact that this is the moral crisis of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, and it's true. And it, well, that's sort of what keeps me at it day after day after all the failures we've you sort of get through. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I only wanted to add to mind, I'd say that my, I think my answer, if we're talking about just sort of like, why am I interested in it? is identical to yours. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing for me that takes me from it being an issue I'm aware of to an issue that I'm willing to devote my life to is because is because of my answer, which was mm-hmm. that nobody else is doing it and it suits my nature or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, if we're talking about sort of like why do I care why do I connect with it? Why do I feel it's important as opposed to other issues? I would I very much mimic your answer. Cool. Uh David, have you thought of a question? <clears throat> I'm still thinking about how unfortunate that groping gesture. Oh, <laughs> Remember, uh, gentlemen, that this is radio, so they can't see your hand gestures. Yeah. There well, were audible sighs in the audience. Oh, dude, there was there was a, it was a uh, it was a whole thing uproar. You got to upset people, eh? <laughs> I guess. I guess. I thought that was my job. Didn't I just finish going on a long, loud diatribe about being a prick? Well, you can upset people um, because of your arrogance. I'll upset people because of my uh, distastefulness. <laughs> um, all right, so we have about ten so minutes. Two, so you got to only ten minutes. Only well, fourteen. I have two uh, two options. One of them one of them could be about Canadian politics. The other one could be about um, spirituality. Spirituality. Ooh, it's a spirituality right. episode. You can bring so some Canadian politics next week. I'm wondering what the point is. Um, what what it is that uh, one has to conceptualize or accept as a human being in order to attempt, or in order to think that environmentalism or the is 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 a necessary 
good. Um, and, and what it is that makes, um, us want to preserve the status quo of the earth as we see it in, in a type of idealistic, sort of nat- naturalist, natural utopian idea that, like, not, not just saying that, like, we require the survival of the species, but I mean, what is it that fundamentally makes one want to maintain the survival of the species as we know it and not simply push. You're asking for an argument against nihilism? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not necessarily nihilism. <laughs> it's, 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 it's pushing towards even, like, potentially even the most radical change you could think of. I mean, maybe the answer to our bullshit is to destroy the environment and have to come up with something entirely new. Um, and, and to what extent is environmentalism a type of new age spirituality that takes back the, that, that, that focuses on the earth instead of transcending the earth. Hmm. Uh, you go first. I usually go first. Um, well, I think what's interesting actually is I think there's, there really are, there is a second camp of people who totally accept that climate change is a, is an issue. Uh, it's a much smaller group. Uh, but it's, it's sort of it's an interesting technologist sort of side of the group, which is like, yeah, so we should really focus on getting to Mars, and that's the sort of way they take it. It's like, yeah, we should. Our Earth is fucked. Let's figure out. Let's invest in getting off this planet. Well, there's the the clip from the opportunity. I had to speak to Dr. James Hansen mm-hmm. from NASA right. Space Gardens, who would I always bring up, which was yep. that his joke answer was, you know, Space what travel. should we, we what should we be investing in? And he was like, getting off this planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, it's taking time. Yeah, um, and I think. Uh, but I, I, I think that's what's fun, funny is I, I think that's that's that won't solve the problem. That delays the problem, basically. I think that's, no, that that's why means we go fuck up another ten. Points. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it ends up being it ends up being it ends up being a, a self destroying idea. Like basically, it's like it's defeatist. It's not not only is it defeatist, it le- it's defeatist, and then also has a whole side of it which is that growth isn't the issue. Like you know, let's keep growing, but let's just grow outwards rather than sort of accept that you know we can't like continually worship growth. Well, that, that makes me think of the the Mr. Smith rant from the Matrix when he's like, right. so, that I've referenced on the podcast well, before. He, but is that it's like you're some kind of virus? Yeah, I'm sorry, I love the way that he says that line. Uh, but it, no, but it's true. It's because like thinking about it as a virus, if we if we operate as one, or if we did that, we would be operating mm-hmm. as one, which is that we've killed our host, mm-hmm. so we need to find a new host instead mm-hmm. of f- figuring out a way to not kill the host we've just moved on to other hosts yeah and that is what a virus does yeah and then we are actually just viruses it's a choice between symbiosis and uh, viral destruction <laughs> to some extent well I think I think to get to sort of the second half of the idea of spirit uh, of what the value of not just letting us destroy and move on is which is that there's in reality there's just millions and millions of innocent lives at stake that's innocent lives of all animals, creatures, biodiversity loss, insane other things. This idea, I think there's, uh, and human life, obviously. Is that a spiritual statement, though? And what, what, is, there, what is there in secularism that, uh, that allows for that type of morality? Uh, can you rephrase uh, the question? Um, I mean, I understood your question, but can you include what he said that you were referring to in your question? Um... Thinking that life, as we know it, in all of its struggle and misery, mm-hmm. is uh, necessary to maintain simply for itself. Right. I think. Well, I think there's. I think there's. I think there's. That's 
I know Darren's answer is going to be this one, already, but I, uh, <laughs> I think that's... I could say Darren's answer. I mean, Darren's answer? No. It's <laughs> tattooed on his arm. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I have to pull my shirt down again. Um, the... Uh, no, yeah, I think, I'm not really subtle about that no. one. <laughs> um, no, I think the... I think what we're really getting there is who are any of us... Uh, if I'm going to get incredibly philosophy on this one, but who are any of us to decide whether or not or what the meaning is for any other person. And therefore, we have no right to infringe on anyone else's own attempts to self-actualize. At least, as long as so far as, you know, their attempts to self-actualize do not affect other people's attempts to self-actualize. So, I th- so basically, my, the secular argument against it is, look, I can have my meaning of for life, which can be whatever I want, but I need... it's. You know, it's, I need to accept the idea that I have to act in a way that other people have other ways. And if other people's ways are living, like, you know, not dying because of a huge hurricane, which was made worse by climate change, then I have to respect that and try to avoid doing that. And any time I don't avo- try to avoid doing that, I'm in some ways in- complicit in it. And if, if you're, com- and if, as soon as you are complicit in, stopping someone else's ability to self-actualize you that is wrong and i think that's basically where i think that's the argument i've come up with is that we're in a society right now where 80 90 percent of the things we do inherently infringes on other people's lives and rights to live the life how they to you know find their own meaning of their own life and therefore we have to stop that and if we don't stop doing that then we're wrong I'm gonna I'm gonna trick you just by not right. giving the answer on my arm first. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say something else, and then I'm gonna explain the tattoo. Okay. <laughs> uh, the I think there's a much more practical than my tattooed on my arm answer um, mm. that plays into it, but is actually completely div- is is they're entirely separate concepts that don't necessarily overlap in any way. Mm. Uh, one of them is just that I you know I believe in the in very much because it's a very practical philosophy that my right to swing my arm stops at your nose. The reason for that is because I don't want to get punched in the nose. I'm not going to punch you in the nose. But it's not about it's not about the golden. It, well, it's it's sort of about the golden rule in the sense that, you know, it's I shouldn't hit you if I don't want to get hit. But it's like, no, no, no. There's people going around all the time swinging their arms. We should we need to take the care to not hit other people because not because it's like in a philosophical sense of like what would you think if you got hit in the nose? It's like no, no, no. They're going to hit you back. <laughs> like it's it's not as a it's not as a philosophical tool by which to empathize with other creatures. It's it's about consequences, right? right? So it's not about I shouldn't hit Dave because how would I like it if I got hit? It's like no, no, no. If I hit Dave, he will hit me. I'm avoiding the consequence of me being hit, and I'm doing that by I'm not hitting him. So it's 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 sort of it's it's a different it's a different emphasis within sort of this golden rule concept. Uh, and I think that environmentalism is simply a logical expansion of that. And I think that people's ability to understand the concept of you know I shouldn't rob people or rob stores at gunpoint or you know rape someone based on that principle is just a logical exp- extrapolation of that. And I think the only reason people can't, I think that environmentalism is simply the largest practical application of that that's relevant to our species at this point. It's just that most people don't have an imagination enough to understand, you know, if I punch Dave and Dave punches me back, that's a very simple cause and effect. But me throwing garbage in a river for 30 years and then moving away and then moving back like 40 miles downstream Mm -hmm. and drinking that water and dying from all the plastic that I personally put in that river 
you know, that's a little bit harder to imagine. Now, add variables, add variables, add variables, add variables, add variables. It now becomes this incredibly complex system of people walking around swinging their arms at each other and then wondering why some guy behind them punched them in the back of the head. And, you know, now we've got a drunken brawl on our hands. That's the, that's the by practical answer. Because I, I think people are naturally, are envi- like environmentalist is just the largest practical expansion of that. If I don't want to get punched in the face, I shouldn't go around punching people in the face. Just with an actual understanding of the actual world that we live in. And I think that people don't, that understand the smaller concept, but don't understand the larger one. It's simply, a, it's, a, it's a limit of their imagination is the problem, not their moral stance. It's the same concept. They just don't see it that way. And my, I'm asserting that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, we can have a conversation about that, but I'm just, they're just wrong. Okay. Uh, that's my not answer. My simpler answer is also that, of course, what, to what uh, Stefan was alluding to, uh, which was the Carl Sagan idea that we're all made of star stuff and we're all a way for the universe to see itself. And so I would no sooner hit Dave in the first place because, in a way, I am Dave. That's my mm-hmm. silly philosophical answer um, that I won't argue. I think the first one's more applicable to this conversation, but at, at, at the risk of seeming like an, uh, some sort of nihilistic robot, I would throw in there that I do have some sense of what some people would call spirituality, <laughs> I just don't like to call it that. Uh, okay, so I think well, we're, ne- we're running right around, uh, not exactly, on, we're running around time, basically. So Dave, you get, what I'm going to do is, Dave, you get to answer your own question, okay. and that will be just the end of the show. Well, you'll say that, I will say the name of the band again, and then I'll start playing the show. So, what's your, how do you answer the question? So, I mean, if you think you are Dave, then you, you have some idea of a, of a universal... Um, substrate which is the universe itself interacting with itself and I think for to have a working society that is environmental and sustainable and I suppose ethical as we we think of it now we need something beyond uh, a Hitchens-esque humanism which which is I think is 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 a decent first step I mean it's important I think to knock down um, oppressive uh, religious attitudes or, or, or people who think that you need to stick to a certain set of rules or something written down in a book and simply have faith. Um, I, think, I, think we need, I think we need a concept uh, of, of a universal flux which includes, which, in which the individual is included in eons from now. Um, not just in the sense that if they do something important, they'll remember it forever, like Shakespeare, but in an actual physical, material sense. Um, in order to, in order for individuals to have, uh, to feel a type of responsibility for the progression and eventual development of uh, humanity. All right, that was succinct. Anything else to say? No. All right. Uh, well then, that, uh, yeah, that's a great ending. Uh, that, so now to play us out is Do Make Say Think, great band name there. Do Make Say Drink. All right. Uh, it's a, uh, Toronto band again with Bruce E. Kinesis to play us out. Groping. I'm going to leave the groping in there. <laughs>